Today is Thursday, November 5th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 381, featuring NBC Sports Boston Celtics writer Chris Forsberg, is powered by BetOnline.ag and Theragun. Try Theragun for 30 days today by going to theragun.com slash beat. Go to betonline.ag right now for your exclusive sign-up bonus. Okay, everybody, welcome in. Nice new edition of Celtics Beat here for you. We were just with you on Sunday, right back on a Thursday. We don't have a president yet, and we don't know what Gordon Hayward's <laughs> going to do. So there's so much uncertainty here in the world. Welcome in. Adam Kaufman, you know Evan Valenti, our always producer, sometimes host, and, of course, Chris Forsberg, who we don't have all that often, not because we don't like him. We happen to love him. We just feel he's already got multiple podcasts yeah. that he does over at NBC Sports Boston. The guy's probably tired of talking. How are you, no, buddy? You've already told me, like, I'm overexposed, and that hurt. That hurt my feelings so much. <laughs> I was like, man, I used to be the go-to guy. I was like, and I was laying low, and now, like, no one calls anymore. I'm just hanging out in the base with my dog. So, you know, like, look, anytime, I'm here. Ready to scream oh. and shout. Anyone that's watching, by the way, versus listening, the basement looks great, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, it it looks like it. you're it's we were talking about completely it off here. real. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. That's that hoop next to him to uh, over his right shoulder. It's 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 that is actually regulation. Real. It is completely that is regulation. <laughs> no, funny story, funny story. All right, not going on too much for tangent, but when I was Please. first planning this out, I wanted a basketball themed back of, of what people can't see is there's a bar in front of me and mm-hmm. maybe a micro, mini fridge next to me with loaded with drinks, mostly nice. soda and but for the hoop, I was going to take an old basketball hoop with a full-size rim and put it up. And then I actually went outside and grabbed an old hoop and realized, like, do you, f- you forget how big a basketball <laughs> hoop is? Like, it would take up an enormous amount of this wall. And so we, 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 we got the mini hoop and uh, shouts to Amazon. I think I found it on there. Yeah, it looks pretty good. I, look, my kids would enjoy it. We still got the, uh, I mean, what is it? Like Lil Tykes, is that the brand maybe? The the like five-foot hoop that fortunately my yes. kids, are, you know, the eight-year-old, five-year-old, and then the two-year-old is just kind of figuring it out right now. But the eight- and five-year-old, it's just, it's dunk contests in the basement every single day. We have one outside, and it gets plenty of use whenever people are bored. I Which can't one of you lasted this long. Adam, have you been dunked on yet by your kids? Have you been dunked on yet by your kids? <laughs> Well, I have, but only because they make me play on my knees when I'm going against them. Oh, so, excuses, huh? Well, but so have you guys seen the, there was this video that went, yes. uh, you know, viral of, yeah, the, the dad that is his kids trying to score on him. He keeps blocking and blocking and blocking him. And then the kid just, you know, great little Boom. sidestep <laughs> and then clubs him in the stones and then. Scores. Yeah, it was great. So my kids, though, what my five-year-old will do, I'd like to believe it's not on purpose because otherwise I think I'd disown him. But he will he will charge at me running full speed. And I'm about to go with my right hand to block the shot, which I obviously I could do effortlessly. He's five. But then he will knee me straight in the nads as he's going up for the shot. And I will go down whimpering. And he's just celebrating like he won a championship. Nice. Didn't want to make you do that to somebody like Kyle Lowry or somebody in the in the in the Eastern Conference semis. There, that just reminds me. He's just he's just taking a page out of Wanamaker's book. That's that's good stuff. That's Here's good. What I've that's, learned though, if you if you stakes. leave yourself open to it defensively, you deserve it. Yeah, 
thought you were gonna say he euro steps you, like he's already got the 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 uh, you know the going the left or right, making him move. But yeah, right, just a matter of time. You know, as far as a matter of time goes, it's a matter of time until this season starts. And there are all these reports that are coming out. You know, Fast and Furious. At first, it looked like Martin Luther King Day for the start of next season. Then it was. Uh, and, and this is me skipping over all these. Is it going to be December 1st? Is it going to be Christmas Day? Now it's after the new year. So we go to Martin Luther King Day, and then the the NBA want to start earlier with the 72-game season, maybe a midseason tournament, maybe who knows, back in Disney World inside the bubble. All much to be determined. First half schedule, second half schedule. There are a lot of unknowns as we chat right now, and it's going to be that way for a little while. But it sounds like, and you can add to this and tell me if there's anything that I'm missing that that you've read or reported on, but it seems like the league and the PA are closing in on an agreement for a December 22nd start. And if that ends up happening, so just a few days prior to Christmas, it's all about money. We know that. So they, they want to get as much of, of, of the season in as they can, as, as full a season as they can, stay on schedule as much as possible, fulfill the networks, have Christmas basketball, all the media partnerships, all of that stuff. That is what drives all of this, even before health and safety. We know that. That's just that's the way of the world, unfortunately. But what it does for the calendar is you have the draft coming up later this month in just a couple of weeks. And then you would have free agency begin on, I think, the 21st or 22nd, based on what's out there right now. So this offseason, if this all goes on track, Chris, is going to go in a blink. Yeah, I'm getting my golf in while I can because I feel like it's just going to it's going to snowball really, really quickly here. And just like you said, there was a point where I think there was like a report. Someone said, oh, maybe they will wait till March. Because, I mean, understandably so, right? You want to get as many butts and seats as you can. And But I think the the, the way where that, unfortunately, the, the coronavirus has stuck around. And, you know, the realization that we're probably not going to have fans inside, especially basketball stadiums, for a considerable amount of time here um, has just left us wondering if it's – the NBA wondering if it's better to just hit the accelerator and get going. And at least with 72 games, you fulfill your regional sports contracts. Like, look, I work for one. I'll, you know, it, it's important to the league cause to, to make that money. And so it does seem like, you know, by, like we're recording this Thursday afternoon. By the time this thing gets up on the web, uh, there's a chance that the players will have voted on this and we'll have probably some more details about how this is all going to look. And just like you said, I think we're going to have the draft on the 18th. I'd be very surprised if free agency wasn't right, right afterward. And, you know, like, Teams are going to have training camp starting on December 1, probably. And so it's just going to go quick. Um, not a bad thing. I don't, maybe we won't have to worry about the moratorium, which doesn't even exist anyway. Like they just, people start signing anyway. Um, but yeah, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how teams build rosters really, really quickly and, you know, got to make decisions, right? Like you just got to get your roster. You got to get the guys you like. Um, that all being said, there's teams that have had 10 months to plan for this moment. And Danny Ainge and the Celtics have been ready for draft since probably the middle of March. So uh, I, I'll be interested to see how it plays out. It could be, could be a lot of fun. It, it, I wish it was a better free agent class, you know, to, to, have, to be frenetic with, but um, at least it'll be something. I'm going to twist kind of an obvious question on you right here. I'm going to, I'm going to take it from the angle that we haven't really been taking it from, which is, you know, we know that, so the, the biggest off-season question mark, and, and tell me if you disagree, but to me the biggest off-season question mark facing the Celtics right now is obviously Gordon Hayward's future. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, that's it starts with him as far as making that decision. Does he opt in? Does he opt out? If he does opt in, is it to stay? Do you try and trade him? If he opts out, is it to leave in free agency? As Ryan Rossillo in The Ringer, Bill Simmons' podcast said, he does want out, and, and we'll get to all of that. Or is it to re-sign for longer term? 
term, less, you know, average annual value. So Gordon Hayward and the Celtics, as it relates to once he makes up his mind, there are a lot of decisions, but what is the biggest question facing the Celtics that they have control over as things stand right now, especially what a swerve you, you set up this... like Gordon Hayward for two minutes. And now you're like, I'm getting all my mind's all racing about Gordon. Now you're like, well, no, no, no. no Cause we're, we're going to do Gordon, but, okay, I, but, okay. I, but, but Gordon, like Do- Gordon's a domino and maybe yeah. that's, that's how this works for Danny Ainge. But, but like, what's the biggest question facing Danny Ainge that he has control over right here. If free agency and the draft and all that stuff really is inside the next few weeks. Yeah. So I, you know, the, like I, I, my, my mind jumps to, I was, I mean, he's got three first round picks. He's got control over that. But like, if, if, if you believe that there is interest in moving up and com- understandably so, right. They don't have three roster spots really that they can carve out for more rookies, you know, then, then that's, that's something they've got to figure out and that, but that's a little bit outside their control. You know, can they move those picks for, you know, an established player and take the draft, uh, you know, part of it out of it and, and just know a more known commodity. So I think, the biggest thing for them is figuring out what do they need to improve on, right? And, you know, the two questions I always get uh, invariably are about Gordon Hayward, but then the next one is what are they going to do about the big man situation? And, you know, to me, I think there's potential for, you know, maybe finding another body in the draft, but I think it's a little bit overstated. And I think Daniel Tice played really well last year. I think Robert Williams, like you guys know, I'm the president of the Time Lord fan club. I think if they give him a sustained opportunity and if he can stay healthy, there's a chance there and Grant Williams will play a lot of small ball this year. And I think he's proven he's a little bit more ready for that than maybe he was at the start of the year and with an evolving three point shot. So I think they're, they're in a better spot than people give them credit for, you know, but still certainly, all right, who's defending Embiid, you know, like I'm my guy in a scanter. I don't know if he's back, like, mm-hmm. or even if he opts in, I think there's a good chance that they move him because they need to create playing time for the, the two Williams. And so uh, I'll be very interested to see how they sort of, get the depth chart ready and, you know, do they draft? Do they pursue the free agent market? You know, where are they more comfortable sort of adding to this? I think the one thing is for the long-term sustainability, they need to be able to hit on draft picks and have those as young, valuable pieces of this core. So to me, that's the, that's the most pressing need that they have control of. Like Danny H has to trust the amount of work they put in to this draft to, to be able to get the right guys. The jury's still out on last year. You know, I think Romeo's got potential. Grant's already shown what he can do. But, you know, whether they, they got a hit on these picks and whether that's moving up, moving out, or whatever, whatever they do, it needs to be the right move. So it kind yeah, of sounds like he doesn't have control over much at all right now. They don't, right? Like, I, I hate to say that, but it, 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 I don't know if anyone in the league has control over anything, right? Like, you know, yeah. Golden State's sitting there at number two in the draft, and they're thinking – well, you know, we don't want to use number two because the draft is weird this year and we don't know if the value is at the top. So um, it's just going to be a strange off season, you know, and, and maybe that would be fun. Maybe that'll make it a little bit more unique. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff is outside their control and they must know better than us. You know, they won't let on about one, about like what they know about Gordon's future and two, what, uh, what they might do with the draft. But I think you just got to be flexible. And that's part of being a good team is knowing, you know, when you have to take a different avenue in the road. And I think the Celtics are well-prepared. They've always sort of been ready. Like last year, they go into the draft, and we're all sitting there saying, well, one, they're not going to take four picks because they don't have the roster space for it. And, um, you know, yeah, there's a whole bunch of uncertainty because uh, Al Horford and Kyrie Irving have left. Well, they trade Baines, and we're all sitting there saying, well, that's curious. Um, it was the open up room. So, again, they, they, they had planned, like, okay, we can get young guys. We can still dr- get Kemba in free agency. You know, you just got to be ready to take – 
to go where the road takes you. And they're usually pretty good about that. Yeah, that, that, that last part about being flexible and roster flexibility is something that Danny always looks for. And that's one thing that if you look at other GMs in the league, like Danny's always ready to zig if he needs to at any moment or zag when he needs to at any moment. So things that you can't control, yeah, like being able to stay flexible um, as the NBA changes is one of Danny's best skills um, in order to, again, nobody saw Kyrie and Al leaving an offseason, and yet you have Danny right there able to plug it, you know, go get uh, a Kemba Walker for a sign and trade with Terry Rozier, you know, bring Kemba and give them a legit point guard. Um, and be able to maybe, you know, navigate the draft a little bit differently with some of the picks they have. And, you know, you talk about improvements. That's the one he doesn't have control over. You know, the young guys, they, I, I don't think they missed on draft picks. I just think the guys that they picked need more development, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Romeo is much, is very far from the finished product. There's a lot of flashes where you're like, wow, this guy could really, you know, defend his ass off. You see that. You see a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a jump shot, a guy that can, you know, not afraid to get to the basket. So that's nice. The, the Williams pair, you know, I, I love the fact that Grant Williams for the, started hitting threes in the playoffs after going like 0 for 25 for his first couple of months in the league, just started becoming a really reliable three point shooter and moving the ball really well. And again, just kind of banking on internal improvements. So as Danny keeps going here, um, he's just got to find a way to, to be able to stay flexible and, and, and be able to, to move in different directions while maintaining the core because we talked about this with, with a couple people last week you know that that core is is tatum is brown is i would throw kemba in there and i'll throw mm-hmm. smart in there that's their four guys that they're part of their core how do you keep those guys intact and maximize their abilities and that's the only thing that danny sort of can control and how he you know addresses that as they go forward is going to be really interesting chris 100 percent. and i think it's about keeping the i mean I, i'd drill it down to like how do you keep tatum and brown happy you know, because they're such a key part of what's going to happen from here. And like, look, I, I think Kemba's part of that. And like the knee will be very interesting moving forward. And, you know, how does he feel after a shorter off season window? You know, I think, you know, part of what's working against Boston here is we thought maybe if they did get into January, that's another month for Kemba to start getting that knee right. I'd be very interested to see how they, they bring him along, especially if they're, if it's game heavy out of the gates, you know, and, and, uh, if LeBron's going to rest, are you going to rest some of your guys and load manage? That hasn't been Brad's thing. You know, it's been the Celtics thing to bring guys along slowly and, you know, find them specific rest. We saw that with Kemba right in the bubble games, but that's the bubble games, right? Like it, it's a little bit different when, uh, you know, you start of the season and it, it, it's go time. So uh, I'll be fascinated to see how they manage that. But like, you know, a lot of your decisions moving forward have to be under the guise of how are we maximizing Jason Tatum's window? And so like, I think everything has to be through that lens. And so, from the free agents you go get what's up, Harry Giles. I know you're, you know, out there with his, his buddy, like, you know, who does Tatum want to play with? And, and what, what that to me is actually, I know we joke about it, but I think that's legitimate things. And so, you know, when, when Tatum posts that picture of Aaron Baines on Snapchat, I'm Danny. All right. I'm calling his agent. What's it going to take? Are we, do, we, do we have enough with the taxpayer mid-level to make that happen? You know? So I'll just be fascinated to see um, how they move, but everything has to be like, Jason Tatum took that window with his development, that title window, and opened it this year a little bit earlier than I think we expected, and now you got to maximize it. Speaking of uh, maximizing, can you just clear up any sort of uncertainty? Because there have been different figures that have been floated about as it relates to Jason Tatum and a max contract. What is he staring at right now in terms of Danny Ainge obviously maxing him out financially? What what kind of money are we looking at for him? Yeah, I mean, it'll depend on where the cap is set and where it goes next year, but you know, so essentially he can command because he was all NBA 
you know, they can write in that if he gets all NBA again this season uh, up to the Supermax, which is up to, I think, 30%, 30%. I'm, I'm going to mess up my numbers because I'm always going that. But, but you don't have to go all the way to the, the number. You can, you know, you could say, like, if he's first team all NBA, he gets the, the full Supermax. If he's second team, he gets 28%, 32%, whatever the number is. And so, um, like, look, it's going to be the biggest contract in Celtics history regardless, just because of, you know, the, the, the time. You know, he'll fight for that fifth year to be a player option. The Celtics will fight for it to be a team option or, you know, just a straight year. And so, um, you know, that's a tug of war you get away. But there's not a lot of the decisions to make. I've heard a lot of people say, well, maybe he should wait. You know, you'll, you'll hear a lot about Miami waiting to sign Bam Adebayo, not this summer, but they'll wait till next year to, to maintain cap flexibility. That's more to chase Giannis than anything to do with the salary cap. You know, the, it's not going to go up enough in these times to make it where a guy if he waited. But unfortunately for Tatum, you know, without this pandemic, he's probably making a whole lot more money than he's going to. Uh, but we're quibbling when the number is something like, you know, 160 million versus 171 million or whatever it is. But it, it's going to be a gaudy number. Um, and I would be surprised if it wasn't one of the first things that gets done this offseason. Again, it's, there's no rush to do it except for it's got to be done before the season starts. But, you know, it's just a it's just a formality at this point in my mind. Um, I don't see a reason why it wouldn't get done. Well, I thought I saw some Supermax numbers that were up over 200 million, too. So it could be. I'm trying to I'm trying to do the math in my head. So, you know, like because so like let's just say the cap is at 120 and he gets 30 percent. That's yeah, that's almost 40. So like by the end of the deal, it'll be over 40 million a year. Um, so that stands to reason five years times almost 40, if it averages out at, at 40, I, you know, you're going to make me go dig out my notes and, and find the numbers, but it's, it's funny because that, that, that is, that is the least of like when, when people bring up what's going to happen this off season, I almost said summer, but what's going to happen this off season is like, I just think that's, that's the biggest slam dunk there is, you know, I'd be very surprised if they didn't, you know, if Jason, Tan, if they, I, you know, like they're not going to walk in and go, we're going to give you every dime. They're going to say, well, we're going to give you. 30% and he's going to go, no, I want more. And, and then whatever the, the number is, okay, write it in. Just, just give it to him if you have to. Like everything is built around, around and what they got to do. And that is my dog who is getting very worked up about the table. Probably, probably here's my dog bouncing through the, <laughs> I just heard my dog scurrying across the ceiling of, above me and barking nonstop in my bedroom behind a closed door. You can't, you know, they have very passionate takes regarding the Celtics and what needs to happen. <laughs> you, you can't quiet them down. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a lot of Gordon Hayward stuff on the other side. First, a quick break because I got to tell you folks, the stress of daily life, it weighs on all of us, especially in the midst of a pandemic. But whether you're an elite athlete or just, you know, me trying to get through the day, muscle pain, muscle tension, it's a real thing. We all get stressed out. Sometimes that's muscular. Other times it's psychological. Whatever the case, we need something to, to help us through it. That is why I use Theragun. I have actually used this for a little while back. This goes way before the podcast, folks. It's a handheld percussive therapy device. Releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Let me paint that picture for you for just a second. Suppose you're sitting in your office and you're just, you're kind of, you know, you're tense, right? It's not like you're going to go to the chiropractor. You can't just do that on a whim. It's not like somebody can just walk by your desk at, hey, Bill, you want to rub my shoulders for a second? I just, I got, I got this pinched nerve. No, 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 no. You got to find a way to deal with it. The Theragun is perfect. I've used this. What you do 
it's, I mean, it's great. You reach, it, it, picture like a back scratcher, but much, much nicer, just conceptually. Reach back behind yourself with this Theragun. You put the, you know, the point right on the pressure point of where you're bothered, where you're kind of, where you got that tense feeling. You, you turn that sucker on and you just feel, ah, oh, you just feel the vibration. And it just takes you through just such a, a moment of, of tranquility and bliss i can't i can't say it enough it's the best feeling in the world and i talked about the fact that it's so quiet nobody even knows that you're doing it you're just having this soothing sensation sitting there and enjoying new wonders of the world you didn't even know existed it's because the all-new gen 4 theragun has a proprietary brushless motor it's so quiet you will wonder if it is even on and I promise you, it is because you can feel it. You don't need to hear it. You can feel it. And you're soothing those aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. I could talk for days about this, but here's what you need to do. You just need to get one and experience this and see how good it is for your personal health. Try Theragun. Do it for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. You hear that in my voice? The power you need. Starting at only $199. That's it. Go to theragun.com slash beat. Do it right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash beat. Again, theragun.com slash beat. And fellas, I don't know how you could listen to me talk through what I just did and not feel like you need one of your own. I just don't laugh. I need it. Yeah, I need it. I'm laughing about it, but I'm laughing because I know you're right. Like it's going to take you to a magical place when you use it. I'm telling you. I like uh, how you use it. If you're if you're a regular if you're an athlete, top of the line like Jason Tatum, or you're just me, you know, moving DVDs on my yeah. DVD shelf behind yeah. me. Yeah. I was gonna say my, just, I, I, my shoulder's been sore from golf. I might need this. I might need to get one of them now. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. telling you. You know, though, I bring up spouses in uh, in part for a reason because, as you know, we we are all attached, be it married or girlfriends, and you know, so many of these athletes are, and we know that they are. And I, I promise, I'm going somewhere with this. We know that they are <laughs> as significant a part of our lives as anything else when it comes to making important decisions. Ryan Rosillo said that Gordon Hayward wants out of Boston. Now, I don't know if that's true. I have no idea. I've never asked Gordon that question. But what I do wonder is what comes into play with that, right? Is it, hey, I've been injury prone for three years. I could use a change of scenery. Because obviously, like, it's not to get away from his teammates. It's not to get it's not to get away from Brad Stevens, who, you know, he came here largely because of. Now, it could be because I don't want to be the, you know, fourth or fifth option in the offense. I want to go somewhere else where I can be the guy again, hopefully be healthy and maybe just view my Boston experience as, you know, chalk it up to, I don't know, luck of the Irish is one thing, and I had the bad luck of the Irish. I was always hurt in my time there. But to circle back, I don't know how happy Robin is here based on the way that some fans go at her on social media. I don't know if she's sensitive to that. Wait, stuff. wait, you mean the people that were asking if she would if she would move the birth of her child so that <laughs> yeah. Gordon Hayward could, could go to the bubble? You think that yeah, could... But we just want him in the finals, Robin. Could, that, sure could that rub people understand. the wrong way? Yeah, so... Um, but, but like, this has gone on for a few years where she has, like, people have gone after her on Instagram, on Twitter. It it seems like, and this is not me, like, reporting anything. This is just, like, reading the tea leaves of social media. It seems like Al Horford's sister 
not a huge fan. You know, I don't know exactly what kind of reputation. She I actually think she her. likes Boston now because they. Hate yeah, her. no. She's so mad about Philadelphia. <laughs> Anna, Anna, Anna rides or dies with the seas. That that, and she's a she's a lifer, no question about it. I, did, I no. didn't say Anna doesn't like the Celtics. It seemed like Anna's not a huge fan of Robin Hayward. And I oh, that's that might be true. That might that's, be true. That's what I'm saying. And so that I don't, true. you know, I don't know, like I. And I wouldn't even pretend to know. So this isn't me like starting anything. I don't know what. Sounds like you're starting something. Yeah, I was gonna say, shit. Sure. Sounds like you're trying to start something. Here's here's my point. Like, if my wife were like, let's let's pretend I were like as famous as Gordon Hayward, right, or as successful, or as or you know had the bank account and all that. Like, I was in that kind of position, and I could choose to go make millions of dollars somewhere else. But I'm currently in a situation where you know my wife doesn't necessarily feel as part of the team and she's got these social media haters and all that stuff. Like she could play a a real impact in saying, you know what, honey, I think we should go somewhere else. How much do you think she plays into this decision? And does she want out based on, again, strictly your opinion, where does that weigh in all of this that is going on with Hayward? Like, I think any husband would be uh, remiss if they did not, allow their family's feelings both both your for your children's sake for your wife's sake you know that's all part of it um i would say right before the pandemic uh the one of the Celtics last game or was was the last game was in indiana and we actually stayed the day after to to film some stuff because we had a gordon hayward day planned for later in the year and it was actually pretty cool because i got to sit down with a lot of gordon's high school buddies um this guy's from from all the state championship that he won and, you know, I kept asking them, I was like, you know, because he stays in touch with a lot of them, you know, what does he think of Boston? And not unexpectedly, you know, like just what you would think for someone who has missed a ton of time and has come under a lot of criticism, he says, you know, really likes it there. But, you know, there, there's awful lot of criticism that comes when you're not on the floor. And so I, like anybody, I think he's been stung by that and maybe a little bit frustrated by it. You know, I don't get the sense from, you know, again, no one has talked to Gordon Hayward this offseason, uh, that, that that's factoring into what he's doing. And I think in the big picture, you know, if I'm trying to guess what's going on here, I have a player that is now north of 30, has had an injury history. You know, part of the family thing that you allude to, I think, is just, like, security and, like, where – like, are they setting up shop here in Boston? Are they going to – you know, they got this house in Wellesley and four kids now. Is this, like, is this Roots? They have a house in Indiana that they just bought. And, you know, so, like, I just think they're trying to figure out where it's going. And I think maybe, if I had to guess, long-term security is becoming a, 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 something of importance to Gordon Hayward. And so it benefits him to at least give the illusion that, and this might be more on the agent side, that there are options out there that might intrigue him. you like, I don't know how much the Atlanta Hawks are an intriguing situation on the surface, like, you're content to be a seventh, eighth seed in, in the Eastern Conference, maybe. Like, if you really like watching Trey Young and playing with teams that don't play defense, intriguing situation. But um, they do have one of the few teams out there that have money. And so I just think Gordon's weighing, you know, what, what, where he goes from here, what he can do. And so if he at least has the Hawks sitting there saying, we will pay to get a, a veteran, then it puts the onus on the Celtics to either come to the table – with a extension that maybe they're not really thrilled about having to do, or, or like at least the value isn't quite where they want to go, but maybe they have to go there. Um, or maybe Gordon, you know, there, I, I will relent. There is a scenario where 
Gordon's just snake bitten, you know, like needs a fresh start. I don't think the he's now the fourth option comes in too much into it. I do think there's something to the idea that, and I keep saying this, but when Gordon Hayward signed here, he was the biggest free agent signing in Celtics history. Mm-hmm. And like two weeks later, they trade for Kyrie Irving. And Gordon Hayward's own press conference, he's not the superstar in focus. And now two years, you know, three years later, you've got with, because of Jason Tatum's development and Jalen Brown's development, you know, there's the perception that he is the fourth option and one that can't stay healthy. And so, again, I think that just comes into your mind, like, how do I reestablish myself and can I do it here? You know, in my mind, I think he can. And I don't think he's the type of player that's like, I need to go back to averaging 25 and 12 and, you know, being the, being the go-to guy. I think winning is important to him. When he came here, he mentioned how there was unfinished business with Brad Stevens from Butler. I think there's unfinished business and sort of just like showing Boston the player he can be. And then if he's willing to ride this out, like next year could be a huge payday for him because all the teams that are hoping to get Giannis and Kawhi and LeBron, there's a chance it's just like the leftovers are guys like Gordon Hayward who could get one more big final payday. And so I think this is more just comes down to options and we're all trying to just kind of to, to, to dissect it a little bit, maybe more than, than it needs to be. But certainly it's the biggest story of, this, of the offseason. But the inference from Ryan Rosillo was that if, you know, all things created equal monetarily, right? If he can find a deal that offsets what he would be losing from Boston with that player option and, you know, it's a, a reasonable fit that he does want out. Do you believe that, or do you believe that he wants to come back? I think he is in a position where a player has to weigh every option. And because he's not rushing out to say, I want to be in Boston, we're left to infer a little bit about what he's thinking. But I think he fits really well here. I think there was a lot of questions coming into last year about how the three-wing situation would work. But when you look at the numbers, when he was on the floor with Kemba, Jalen and Jason, the Celtics were two points better than the Dallas Mavericks in terms of offensive rating. Like it's a crazy number, 117 or 119 points per per 100 possession. They were like the best offense in the league. And again, in a small sample size, but because they have so much talent out there. And I just can't see where Gordon says, I want to go to an eighth seed because, you know, I'll be the focal point. And I want to go to a rebuilding situation. I think he's got a lot of positives here in Boston. I think the other thing that, I, that, you know, I think is important to remember here is there's a little bit of, of a concern where if Gordon opts in, his future isn't in his hands. We just thought we opened this whole situation with like, you know, what can the Celtics control? Well, if Gordon Hayward opts in, you know, now if the Celtics get into the season and they're not championship contenders, there's this idea that, you know, you don't want to carry a $34.2 million guy that maybe you try to move him for assets or try to move him. Uh, to a team that wants to clear salary cap. And now all of a sudden, Gordon leaves himself open to being traded to the Sacramentos of the world. Now he can rectify that in the offseason when he's a free agent. But again, it just comes in. If he's looking for certainty, you know, then maybe he's trying to put a little bit of pressure on the Celtics to, to give him that security. And I think that's more at play than maybe necessarily this notion that he just doesn't want to be here. Yeah, I, I, kind, of, I kind of agree with that. And what it comes down to for me, like we talked about it last week, um, or I should say Sunday because it was not that long ago. Um, what, you know, the, the situation is a different scenarios with Gordon Hayward. Like, does he, do you sign and trade him with the, you know, sign him with an extension and trade him somewhere? That's possible on the table. Again, I'm not quite sure if that's the move to do to Atlanta. That would, I think, make more sense of an Indiana thing, and that would make Gordon obviously very happy. Well, because he'd have Gordon, to be part of that process, right? He'd be a no, no question. And re- reconfigure the contract to then be sent somewhere else. Well, it's like what what Boston had to do with you know juggling the Kyrie 
uh, Al Horford, you know, Terry Rozier, Kemba Walker, you know, you know, that's what Mike Zarin's for. Zarin will figure yeah. out how to make that work and, and make all the puzzle pieces fit together. Um, but like you could, you know, he could sign and trade and go somewhere. Um, he could literally decline the option, which we talked about last week, um, and, and just go somewhere for a little bit more long-term security. I, I, I agree, Chris. I think it's maybe some just trying to put pressure on Boston to give him a little long-term security. And if I'm Boston, it's like, well, okay, we gave you a, a ginormous contract, this biggest in the history of the Celtics at the time, uh, and it just hasn't worked out. So, like, what security – we haven't gotten our return on investment yet because of right. the unfortunate injury history with Hayward. And if you're Hayward, like, let's say if you're trying to maximize long-term security and Boston's not going to give it to you, I would rather ride it out in Boston mm-hmm. than anywhere else only because if things go right, this is a team that's going to compete probably for, you know, at least – uh, Eastern Conference semifinals appearance, if not an Eastern mm-hmm. Conference finals appearance, if not an NBA finals appearance, right? So a lot of times when you are in that sort of, you know, uh, on a team like that that competes and goes far and deep into the postseason, those people, you know, tend to get bigger contracts when time comes, right? If you're going to be on a team like Boston in the NBA finals, you're performing really well on the biggest stage, you know, those other teams that think they're one piece away, all of a sudden are like, oh, Gordon Hayward, you know, 30 million, whatever. Like if Atlanta wants to get that desperate, um, he's going to be there, or a team that's, that might strike out on Giannis, like a Miami or a Dallas. They're like, okay, well, we don't have Giannis is off the board, but there was Hayward. He averaged such, such, and such in the NBA Finals mm-hmm. last year. That could be our guy, right? So I think for Gordon, I, I think it's maybe a little bit of a ploy to get this out there, maybe put some pressure on Danny Ainge. We know Danny, Danny's, Danny's a rock, so I don't think he's really sweating this. I think they'd like to find some sort of agreement. But if you're Gordon, I almost would rather his, – his injury history you know, would be concerning, but I almost rather bet on myself and say, look, I'll get it from somewhere eventually. I'll at least play this out on my team and, and try and get to the NBA Finals. And if you're Danny Ainge, right, let's say the, tr- the trade deadline comes and you're, you're trying to lose an asset for nothing. Like, you don't want to lose an asset for nothing. If you're competing for an NBA championship, you're not just going to trade Gordon away just so you can right. say, oh, at least I got something for the asset. That's just not going to happen. So I think Gordon – the most like sense for Gordon – well, right. That's true. Uh, I think it makes the most sense for Gordon as we continue to speculate and pontificate on what we want to do. I think Gordon's best option is staying in Boston and trying to find a way to make that work, whether he wants to make a long-term thing work there or find a long-term solution somewhere else. I think playing in Boston gives him a best chance to succeed in my opinion. And the other thing is it's a dangerous game of chicken, right? Like if he comes to the Southeast and says, like, look, I'm willing to walk away. Danny H could just sort of go, all right, go sign with Atlanta. Do it. Right. You know, and but I, I think there's motivation on both sides, right? Like the Celtics uh, don't want to pay a huge luxury tax bill. And so there's a motivation to get him to a lower number next season. So maybe that gives them a little bit of, of incentive to think about uh, a deal. But like, look, they just showed Al Horford had a number and it's going to be frustrating. I think I know the Celtics were frustrated last year when it went down with Al because they felt like it was unfair that they were sort of bidding against a blind bidder and you know where and like look this is the way the nba works and sometimes it works in favor of them but you know where he had this deal in his pocket and knew so that 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 he could just walk away if the celtics weren't willing to get there and so the celtics you know felt like they gave a competitive offer for mal but they could never get or were not willing to get close to what they what they what he ended up getting that four year 107 million dollars with with Philadelphia. And so I think it's with Gordon similar, like the Celtics might be like, all right, like we're willing to go 360, 375, whatever the number is. And if Gordon's sitting there saying, well, yeah, but the Hawks are telling me I can get four, 
110, you know, then it gets a little bit more difficult for the Celtics to just be like, okay, we'll do that. You know? So I, I just think it, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how it, it all plays out, but I've just long thought ultimately the way it happens is whenever the day comes, Gordon says, yeah, I'm, I'm back here. And you sort of figure it out down the road. Yeah. There are just, there are multiple things at play, especially as it relates to the Al Horford situation. One, you had a contender that had money or at least a perceived contender that had money. I know Philadelphia didn't play like it this past year. This year, you don't have that. You also, if the Celtics, and I, I maintain, if the Celtics, let's say Gordon Hayward did exactly what he did last year, statistically speaking, but did it over the course of a full year, meaning he stayed healthy and had a good playoff run, he absolutely opts out because he would go get a, a real good deal, a solid maybe Al Horford-like deal this offseason, maybe not from a an upper echelon NBA team because, again, those – don't exist out there with with the cap space but he would be able to go out and find that money in a terrible free agent class as chris you alluded to earlier next year like if he comes back to the celtics and and has a good year and stays healthy and gives you 18 19 points a game he's efficient as ever good amount of rebounds assists decent playoff run he can go out there and get a good deal i don't know if it's as good because the free agent class is better so these are the but, but think about all the teams are going to miss out like if you're miami and you don't get Giannis, like what if Giannis and what if lebron and ad resign what if Kawhi and paul george go down all of a sudden like there's a world where gordon hayward is a top free agent next year on yeah. a, where there's a ton of money out there and i understand people aren't lining up the 32 year olds but i think his best payday is to come back this year, prove it, and then take advantage of the marketplace next year. All right, one more quick break to tell you. NFL football continues this week. Has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings, like the unbeaten Steelers still, by the way. Not talking about the winless Jets or the struggling Patriots. You might not be at a game this year, unfortunately. You can still, though, get in on the action at Bet Online. NFL futures, you got the Chiefs. Plus 350, reigning Super Bowl champs, of course, looking to do it again. They are hot. The Steelers, plus 550, still not getting enough respect, though, despite the fact they do not have a loss. The Bucks, Tom Brady led, plus 575, and now they've got Antonio Brown, so that'll be a roller coaster one way or the other. Uh, Seahawks, plus 800, maybe with an MVP on that roster in uh you know, Russell Wilson, what he's done here at 31. The Ravens, don't forget about Lamar Jackson, plus 1,000. Maybe the saddest thing about this whole read is the Patriots aren't even involved anymore. We used to give you That's long odds on the Patriots. Man. They're just, no, forget it. Losses to, if they lose to the Jets, may as well just cancel the rest of the season. No matter how the schedules change, though, or players that play, Bet Online's going to have the extra mile to uh, make sure that you get in on every game this season with the fastest odds updated throughout the industry okay and there are always more options to wager on than there are online anywhere head to bet online do it today take advantage of all the great mid-season bonuses hard to believe we're already at mid-season but it is november you got offers contests whole bunch of great stuff bet online your online sportsbook experts so here's something chris that you can uh I don't think you can make an actual bet on it. Maybe you can because Ooh. Bet Online gives you the opportunity to create things, and maybe you could wager on this. I'm going to ask you to fictionally wager on this. Evan and I were talking about this right before the show. Gordon Hayward is, of course, the big domino. We've talked about that throughout. But much like a few years back with Kyrie Irving, when no one knew he was going to come available, in this shortened offseason, if everything stays on the schedule that we've already outlined and knowing that and Evan put it this way earlier I think it was a great way to look at it this this is very much a fixed roster as it looks on paper right now especially in terms of the salary cap you got your high paid guys your low paid guys there isn't really anybody in the middle anymore with the way this roster looks other than 
maybe Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, but I don't think you look to trade him. You know, Danny loves him. Brad loves him. You know, hashtag winning plays. A lot of us don't want to see him go. Yes, is it theoretically possible? He's not untouchable. I think if anything, you have two guys that Danny would be immensely reluctant to move, if not right outright, uh, you know, unwilling. And those are Tatum and Brown. After that, give me your best offer. So my question for you is this. Is there a trade to be made that does not involve Gordon Hayward that could shake up this offseason that we're not even considering? Unfortunately, it'd be on the lower scale. Like, I think on draft night, you'll see them maybe dangle some of their unused cash from this past season for someone to take Vincent Poirier off their hands because you don't need to pay $2.5 million for a fifth center. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with with Ennis Cantor because – you know, he's got a $5 million option and that's not a prohibitive number for as much as he played last season. And he was, you know, a nice luxury in the playoffs going up against Embiid and holding up pretty well. But um, if you are going to go young at that position and find out what you've got with Grant and Robert Williams, then, you know, even if he opts in, I think there's a, a chance they could move him. And so then you start thinking about bundling a little bit and could you bundle, Cantor and some, you know, lesser guys like Javante, unfortunately, you know, again, there's just a crunch on roster space and some of these non-guaranteed guys, you know, even if they're lucky enough to make it through sort of the, the first part of it, if they're dealt, you know, could be trade assets as well. Now, when every trade a non-guaranteed guy now, their salary goes guaranteed. So it's not like the old days when the Celtics were brilliant with signing the Keith Bogans of the world and dealing them for, for more parts. But um so I could see them trying to get up into like a mid-level-ish salary and turning Cantor and spare parts into something. Um, you know, maybe that's the veteran that they need off their bench. Uh, you know, somebody who can do the Andre Iguodala and come in and, and give you serviceable minutes but not be leaned on too heavy. You know, someone who's been through this. Um, but it's harder for me to see the deals that can be made. Like, it, just like you said, I don't think you move Marcus Smart. I don't think you get the value in return that, you know, other teams don't value him as highly as your own people do. You know, I think we know Marcus Smart is worth more. Maybe than this $15 million contract, you're not getting $15 million. You're not getting the same $15 million from, you know, the Clint Capellas of the world over here, the, those sort of deals thrown around. So, um, you know, short of that, I think it's more, you know, deciding whether you're going to use your mid-level or your, your taxpayer mid-level to seek a big man, whether you want to split it up a little bit and get some bench help. Maybe that's how you get your veteran. You know, are there, are there veterans out there that want to come play for the minimum, you know, but trades are tough. And, you know, even the other thing I think about is like, you know, will another team sign and trade someone to you? Well, that's difficult too, because then it hard caps you. And for a team that's over the tax line, it just, it adds another cumbersome little part of this all. And so it's all part of the puzzle. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to tell you, I could, I could envision a, uh, them hot, someone going out and getting that you know, bench score that they desperately need. But, you know, we saw last year, you know, the closer you get to the deadline, now those deals are tough. You know, Davis Bertans would have cost two first round picks and then he probably weren't going to resign them because he's going to make a ton of money on the free agent market. And so uh, it gets difficult in those scenarios. And I just, there's nothing that, that's, uh, that screams. I think you can get the same sort of value uh, of player through free agency that you could maybe having the bundle, but, they should be motivated. Again, not a lot of roster spots, so they might have to make some moves. I mentioned this uh, at the time, this was weeks ago, I don't know, whenever the season ended, at least for the Celtics, uh, that when Ennis Cantor put up his social media posts, just kind of tribute to the organization, thanks to the fans, all that stuff, it read like a goodbye. It read like someone who, for one reason or another, be it his call or 
um, you know, or, or not feeling like the fit was there that, that he expected that it was one and done in Boston. You obviously know him a lot better than we do. You got the podcast with him over, over at NBC sports. Do you believe that he's back next year or, or did he see the writing on the wall or, or, you know, decision to be made in terms of writing on the wall since ultimately it is a player option. It is his call. I think there's some avenues where he is back and um, you know, I think there. I think it's more likely he's not. Uh, or, or again, I think he, there's an option where he where he take where he picks up his option and and but then gets moved. But then, sort of like what we talked about with Hayward, once you opt in, you know, it's out of your hands. And so, would Ennis Cantor rather take five million dollars and risk being sent to Sacramento or you know some outpost that isn't going to be competitive, um, or would he take less money on the free agent market or whatever's out there? Uh, in order to go to a team that, that, you know, he can pick. And so that's something he's got away. I think all things being equal, he would like to be back here. I think he formed a lot of good bonds with the guys on this team. I do think, you know, we gave Kemba a lot of credit for the chemistry. I think Ennis deserves mm-hmm. a good chunk of that too for just keeping things light, you know, being able to, you know, always stay positive. Like even when he wasn't playing at the end of those bubbles games and Robert Williams was getting a chance, you know, I think some inside the organization were a little worried that he might get frustrated, but I never sensed it. You know, we were talking about it on the podcast, and I thought he handled it really well. So those guys are valuable, like, in terms of that, it just embrace it. And we talk a lot about veterans. Well, you know, he's been through it now. And I know he's still only, I think, 29, but um, a couple Eastern Conference, an Eastern Conference final, a Western Conference final with Portland. Like, you know, I, I think there's a, a, a world where the Celtics can't find an Aaron Baines or can't find the center that can, you know, hold up against the MBs of the world. They need him back. Uh, I just think it's a less, a less likely scenario. Are you going to miss Ennis more being able to have FaceTime calls with Ben Stiller and Donnie Wahlberg? <sighs> I mean, all, all respect to my guy, Ennis. And I will say this, like, <laughs> I have never met a NBA player that is, has been as accessible, um, that has been as open. And now, like, you know, I, I always joke with him because I said, look, you're just gassing somebody up, like, before we went back into the bubble, he sat there and told me a hundred times how Grant Williams was making every three in practice. And I'm like, you're lying to me, but I get it. You're a good teammate. You're talking up your guy. And well, egg on my face, Grant Williams goes out and makes like 50% of his three pointers in the playoffs. And I'm going, all right, so I give you credit, Ennis. You know, you, you saw that one coming, but um, I, I do think he was refreshingly um, open and honest as, as much as he could be, you know, there's stuff that he couldn't talk about. Might've been some injuries that were worse than you, you might've known, but all that said, I think he did. Uh, he was he was fun to talk to. I know some people sort of think he's on social media too much and and tune him out a little bit, but uh, I will miss t- if if the podcast is over and we never got to do a final episode. I might have to call him this summer and just be like, hey, let's just let's just hang out one more time. Yeah. Get Ben Stiller and Mark Wahlberg and and every Donnie Wahlberg and everybody together and, and let's just do it. But uh, yeah, that that was kind of neat because he lives. It's just a different world, man. Like he, literally, his his contact list. Everybody, and he, like he's a rock star. It's the most bizarre Rolodex. <laughs> he's awesome, though. We had him on Goodman's podcast. Like one of the first Goodman episodes was Enos Canner. Yeah, and we had him on before. You know, do the same. Like, hey, what? You know, what? Do we? He was like, anything you want to talk about, yeah. anything doesn't matter. And it was like obvious we want to talk about the turkey stuff. And he was like, yeah, it's all, it's all in play. Who cares? I don't care. I'll talk about it. He has no. He's an awesome quote, and he's a he's a good team. Like. If you take just the basketball away for a second, he's a great guy to have around a team. He seems like a really fun guy. A lot of, you know, he talks about his relationship with Russell Westbrook a lot. He loves Russ. Russ loves him actually. Yeah. Um, and, and 
he's just a, a fun guy to hang around. The problem with Ennis is he is playing in the wrong era of basketball. He's just playing in an, <laughs> 20 years an era. ago. He would have been perfect. He would have been amazing. He would have been amazing in the, in the early nineties or even the eighties. And he's, he's just, it's just the wrong era for him. And it's unfortunate and it's, it, it stinks, but you know, he's taken up too much of the cap, I think, in my opinion. And, and I, I think Danny will probably find a way to move off. And if he has to attach a pick to it to do it, I think it will. Cause look, as we've, we've all probably thought about, talked about, pontificated about, there's no way Danny uses all three of these picks. Although now that I say that, he's probably using all three of these picks. We've um, got, we I said, said it last year. All, I was like, I screamed guys. it from the mountaintop and then he yeah. used all of them. So, well, yeah. I think part of that is because I think the league, like, it takes two to trade, right? And I think sometimes, with Danny, it's like people are sick and tired of maybe getting used by Danny in certain ways. I think we've all talked about how he's, you know, flees certain guys and deals. It's like, you know what, Danny? I'm not going to help you out. You're going to use all three of those picks and up to you to figure out how, where, where to play, place them. And, and, and Danny, to his credit, you know, did an uh, uh, admirable job. Now, again, Romeo, we'll see. Grant looks like a winner and Carson, you know. I don't know, but uh, I think I think with Danny, he'll find a way to move off that contract. I think I, I just – Again, I love Enos, the guy. He's just an amazing guy, and I'm jealous that Chris had to do all the stuff he had to do with Enos because he's he's hilarious. He really is. Again, the stuff that we had pre-show, he had me oh on the – I was dying. Yeah. He's hilarious. He really is. He's a great guy. And he, you could tell with a lot of, like, the you know, the, the protesting that Jalen Brown and Marcus mm-hmm. Smart did, you know, throughout the shutdown, he was right there with them. And and that's that's a big respect thing with, with you know, a lot of guys that Enos is out there in the front lines a lot and wearing his, and like obviously wearing his jersey, you know, all the Kyrie stuff he talked to, like, I'm gonna be the reason why nobody wears his ever eleven ever again. Like he did all this stuff the stuff that the best line he had in his entire time in Boston. The guy's awesome. He's a really great, great teammate. Guy. He's a great lo- he's a great locker room guy. Like and, and you need those guys. You need a Kevin Millar in your locker room to keep things loose. Like and, and I'll use the Dodgers as an example because I know him. Like Kike Hernandez might not be the greatest baseball player of all time, but he's one of the best locker room guys you're ever going to meet. Enos, not the best basketball player, but as Chris can attest to better than anybody else, he is an amazing chemistry locker room. You know, you're having a real shit day. Enos will make you laugh about something. He's just one of those guys, and you need one of those guys in that locker room at all just to keep things light when things get tough, you know. Are we just going to overlook that Kiki Hernandez humble brag? That- it's my dude. There? He, that guy's my guy. I uh, he I've known Kiki since he was like seventeen. He was uh, 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 a minor league player in the Astros system at one time, um, and I, I could use a couple of different stories then. But I, he made me laugh every single day as a seventeen-year-old. He was hilarious. He was he's just a great chemistry guy. You need one of those guys. Chris, any parting thoughts? Any anything that that needs to be hit on that you're not already doing on your. Uh... On, on TV and on no, I'm like, I, I'm I, I called who's you exposed, f- by the way. That was a compliment. You're everywhere. <laughs> I took who's it your favorite compliment. guy in the draft? Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's a whole nother episode. Like, so it is. I, I, it's funny because, it, you know, I really know nothing about any of these draft guys a week ago. And then we start doing all this content. It's funny how fast you fall in love with a three minute YouTube video about like, you know, yeah. wow, that guy runs really hard and energy big. Here he's old. This guy could replace Cantor, you know. Like you know, you fall in love with 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 a with a mashup, and so, um, like, look, I think the Celtics need shooting, and so I think I default to the Sadiq Bays of the world, the Nesmith, and like you know, like, look, if they were to get up Halliburton, like, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys out there that intrigue me, and yet you just don't know like how they're gonna pan out. Um, 
I will say I was sitting there last year. Matisse Thibel was my guy. Yeah. And uh, we were literally on air when the pick came down, and I was not paying attention to the fact that they had, you know, traded it to Philadelphia. And when they picked Thibel, I started kind of like celebrating because I was like, yes, this is a great pick for them. They needed another Marcus Smart type, a guy who can defend on the wing. And then someone like finally reeled me in. And, you know, you could probably see my, my soul break. And no, no disrespect to Grant Williams. I think it's a good pick. And I think he's going to have a long, prosperous NBA, NBA career. But um, the jury's still out. And so I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what happens in the draft. I can't wait to see what happens in free agency. Um, I think this team is going to be really good. But the East is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part for me. You know, you had your opportunity. And I know they're kicking themselves about that, you know, Blowing those leads in games one and two will be something we can forever look back on. But uh, it's going to be a fun season, I think. You know, I, I don't know how it's going to play out. It'll be very interesting to see how everybody eases guys back in, how the Nets look, what happens in Toronto with, if they lose Van uh, You know, there's just a million questions. And so, um, but let's see what Danny ends up his sleeve. It's been too quiet. That's why there's all these whispers about Danny wanting to move up, move back. Everybody's quiet. We just get worried. Yeah. Doing something. Time to go, folks. We want to remind you today's show powered by betonline.ag and Theragun. You can try Theragun for 30 days today. I just ordered going. another one. You're, yeah. You got three in the house. One for every kid. Well, one for every kid. Go to theragun.com slash beat. Go to betonline.com, uh, uh, betonline.ag, pardon me, right now for your exclusive sign-up bonus. So, yeah, I mean, Chris is out there. He's, he's making bets, wagers, futures. He's got guns being shipped. Don't bet while using the Theragun. I feel like that could be dangerous. Like, you yeah, too relaxed. Like, oh, on 500 <laughs> on the Celtics to win the championship. Go. <laughs> I saw some odds out there. You want to just tie this in with, with yeah. our, our, I will not mention our, our NBC affiliate, but sure. um, they, they had Brad Stevens as the favorite to win coach of the year. Love it. I was surprised by that. Uh, long time coming. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're the president of the Time Lord fan club. President of the Brad Club, right over I, here. Uh, I will say, to shamelessly promote our own podcast, Jerome Allen came on this week, and I love asking people that are close to Brad for Brad stories because invariably, most of the time they, they're very guarded about it. Like, they don't want to embarrass him. But, like, there's one about, you know, I, I, and I'll tip my, I, I shouldn't tip my hand here, but, like, I have a story that we've just kind of been sitting on uh, about Brad and that, that famous um, March Madness chest bump that yeah. he did in the locker room. Yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. it's fascinating, but like, you know, something you wouldn't expect from Brad, but the, the story behind it is hilarious. And, but like Jerome says, last bubble game of, 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 of the bubble here, uh, the, the seeding games against Washington, you know, and it takes two by Rob Bass is playing over in the, the arena. And Brad is just spitting the lyrics on the sideline as the guys are going out to take the jump ball. And Jerome's <laughs> looking up and he's like laughing. And Brad's like, what do you think so funny? And Jerome says, uh, no one would believe me right now if I told them that Brad Stevens is spitting 90s rap lyrics on the sideline. But yeah, sometimes we forget. Brad is a human being who grew up in a powerful era of rap and R&B and yeah. can switch it over from his country records to, uh, you know, Poison and Belle Biv DeVoe and Rob Bass. Get Look, down. I, mean, get I, don't, I don't trust a person that doesn't know the lyrics that it takes to. <laughs> Brad Stevens came to get down. Yeah. Love it. Oh, oh, I need more God. of that. I need more of that, actually. I need more of that. Give, uh, 
before we let you go and before we all sign off, give the people uh, all the information they need as far as, you know, not only finding you, but finding your podcast. And we, we believe in, in, you know, no, I, pr- I appreciate that over here. Absolutely. Being overexposed. You should be able to find them easily, but no, we, uh, the, the, I hopefully maybe get another episode of the Ennis Cantor show. Go download your favorite podcasting app, Celtic Stock podcast, me and Draper hanging out every week, trying to get some good guests and uh, you know, rambling our heads off. Uh, watch our programming. Early edition, BST. I think all of our Celtic shows are starting back up. We got draft special coming up next week where I'll pretend to know what, what these guys can do after watching the three-minute highlight videos and tell you who the Celtics should absolutely go get. Um, yeah. Are you yeah, one of Draper's guys? Convincing, though. That's, that's all that matters. I don't have a Draper's guy t-shirt, but... You don't? Feel like, you never call like, my guy Chris Forsberg? You know, I... I don't know if I think jumps to mind. Like, I'm sure I did something nice at one point and I became, yeah. you know, my guy for at least a good five minutes. You know, after a good game, everyone's Draper's guy, right? I like, asked him what, what, how do you qualify to be one of Drape's guys? And he went on like a three minute tangent about it. It was absolutely hilarious. It was amazing. <laughs> Although I think, I, th- I think the last note, like the bottom line was you just need to exist. Yeah. <laughs> I, or just you have to have been good. And so I can take credit for it. That's, yeah. that's yeah. the bottom line. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks to Chris Forsberg for hopping on. We always do appreciate it. It's always a good time for sure. Uh, Evan Valenti as well. I'm Adam Kaufman. Thanks for joining us here on Celtics Beat. We'll do it again real soon. We promise. And remember, the NBA draft and free agency appear on the horizon. We might have basketball in about a month and a half, folks. Thanks for being with us, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, guys.